the wheat from the tares. Anybody know what a tear is? A weed. Separating the wheat from the weeds that are also growing there. And there's conversations about separating the wheat, I mean, the, the, the sheep from the goats. Remember that? Um, and I don't know what Jesus had against goats, but, I mean, you know, there was, it was a pretty big deal where the sheep are going over here and the goats are going over there. We're separating, we're taking those things that are, those entities that don't measure up, those things that are not uh, uh, of him, and we're separating them out. We want, we want to get rid of weeds because it's the wheat that's good. Uh, and there's some weeds in there masquerading as wheat, but we want to get rid of them. And maybe some goats masquerading as sheep, we want to get rid of them. But then in John the Baptist, when he says, uh, one of, in one of the Gospels it says that John the Baptist is talking about Jesus coming and he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And there is a difference between wheat and chaff and wheat and tares. Somebody tell me what it is. The chaff is... That's right. That's right. And it's in the winter. So, um, so there's, there's wheat that we want to keep and tares, they're, they're bad. They're two different things uh, we're going to throw. Um, you're either going to be wheat, or you're, or you're either wheat or your tares. You're either sheep or your goats. But you're also wheat that needs to be winnowed. There are parts of you, parts of us, that God wants. God wants to shake us up to deliver us from those parts those things inside of us that are keeping us from producing, from being the fruit that he has called us to be. Um, and people get that confused. They think, oh, well, I'm wheat. We got rid of the tares, la, 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 la. Now I'm wheat. Look at me, I'm wheat. Isn't that cute? And then this other, this other shaking comes because we are wheat. Yes, yes. Raise your hands if you're wheat. Let's see them. All right. Okay, good. Everybody's wheat. Now, uh, raise your hand if you still need to be shaken because there's also shaft inside of you that needs to be shaken out. In the... In the... Crushing. In the pressing. In the shaking. God's breaking up new ground. God's changing us. God's delivering us. It's, there's all a purpose. And we tend to think, I'm just telling you something that I've already told you a bunch of times before, but we tend to think in the middle of this shaking, in the middle of the crushing, in the middle of the pressing, we're under attack. What we really need to do is rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus and make all this stop. So our life can go back to normal and so we can get so we can stay comfortable. And God's just saying No. No, listen to my voice. This is 
Well, you know, when Peter uh, went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm behind you all the way. Um, never going to fail you. Jesus says, Peter, get over yourself. Um, do you know that Satan has demanded? He's come and he's demanded to sift you like wheat. And, and I said, fine. Just like with Job, Satan is a tool that I'm allowing to work in your life. And I'm praying for you. Because when you get through this, all the shaft is going to be removed. All of the old you is going to be shaken out. All of the deception, all the rebellion, all of the foolishness. And once you've been shaken out, you'll be able to strengthen your brothers. What a terrible idea. And if, but it's in the Bible. It's, these are, not only is it in the Bible, it's in that part of the Bible where you get what? Red letters. Red letters where Jesus, that's right, where Jesus says, the devil has to do that. And hold on, Peter, because I'm praying for you. Because uh, I'm praying for you. You're going to survive this. And there's a purpose behind it because you'll be able to strengthen your brothers at the end. And we're like, no! La, 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 la. Is there somebody else up there I can talk to? Okay. Uh, in the crushing, in the pressing, in... God is making new wine. And he's breaking fallow ground. But we have to hold on. So, tell me what this is. Yep, I'm... What's it usually used for? Cutting linoleum. Um, I'm sure it could be used for linoleum. What? It's well. It's if this is a handle. Um, this is uh, the kind of knife that you use. Wait for it. To prune grapevines. Um, because it turns out, grapevines need to be pruned. Um, I'll explain more about that in a minute. Last week we talked about Ecclesiastes. Uh, because, to quote uh, that, uh, that divinely inspired prophet, uh, Bob Dylan, the times, they are a changing. The times are always changing, and it's even acknowledged here in uh, Ecclesiastes. Um, stuff changes. Times in our life changes. There's a time for doing things, and there's a time to stop doing things. 
There's a time to focus on one thing. There's a time to focus on another. And I, I went over all this last week, so I'm not going to go over it again. But uh, our challenge is to figure out what time it is. Because change and growth uh, is vital, it's critical to living a healthy life. The more, we've always said, the more you do what you always did, the more you're going to get what you always got. Um, and sometimes you just have to, I mean, you get tired of getting what you always got, right? Um, but sometimes you're just too scared to do anything else uh, because nothing lasts forever. And maybe once upon a time, getting what, you all, getting what you were getting was exactly the right thing. But that doesn't mean it's that way forever. And, and you get set in your ways. You get, be, you, you get to be dependent on a routine. Um, you stop looking and you stop listening for the winds of change that God wants to bring into your life because you're in this comfortable spot. Otherwise known as... Sometimes you get in a really, really comfortable spot that's otherwise known as what? A rut. Um, <laughs> so even when we're tired of getting what we always got, we stay locked into old patterns because of fear. Fear of, uh, fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of disappointing people, fear of uh, failing, fear of who knows what. It's, this, is, this rut is nice and safe and... I don't have to worry about anything as long as I just keep doing all that stuff. So, uh, we covered that last week. And now we need to talk a little bit about divine viticulture. Isn't that a great word? How often does that word spring up into your uh, normal conversation? Viticulture. Let's all say it together. Viticulture. Let's all... Just, just do that one more time. Viticulture. If you, if you don't understand anything about viticulture, all you have to do is get on Highway 290 in Johnson City and drive to Fredericksburg. Do you remember when Fredericksburg used to be all about one crop? What was it? Peaches. peaches. Now, you can still get peaches in Stonewall and Fredericksburg if you look hard enough. But you can't throw a rock in that end of Blanco or Gillespie County without hitting wineries. There are wineries everywhere. Um, and it turns out that people still like peaches, but they love wine better. Uh, and it's everywhere. And so that's viticulture. That's the, the harvesting of, the, the cultivating and, grow, and, and growing and processing of grapes and turning it into wine. And it's just their wineries all over that place. And they have bus tours where you can, just, you can go out there, you can get on a bus, and they will drive you all around to all the wineries, and you get all sorts of free samples, which is why they put you on a bus. <laughs> uh, David and Amy went to Fredericksburg this weekend, uh, and they rode a bus. Uh, okay, so, but the Bible talks about viticulture. So it's a really a kind of a big deal, because uh, wine was a part of everyday life. Um, now, there, this was before the days of uh, getting all these weird kinds of different kind of wines and from all over everywhere. And st- it was just like uh, you just needed wine uh, because you couldn't drink the water most of the time. So you just needed wine and you didn't have to actually. Matter of fact, the Proverbs talk about don't drink the wine when what? When it's really, really red in the cup because that's too strong. Uh, you mix it with some water, uh, otherwise you end up falling off of your donkey, um, which was 
not necessarily approved, but 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 you know the story of Jesus making uh, wonderful wine for his mom because she just asked him to. Um, I don't know if she could get him to clean his room or not, but she could get him to make wine out of nothing, out of water, just to, uh, and to keep the party going. And uh, wine was just a part of life. It's just a part of life. And because it was a part of life, it was a wonderful metaphor for our relationship with Jesus in a couple of different ways. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, which is another word for a wine cultivator. God, Jesus is the vine that we all need to be plugged into. And God is the vine dresser who takes care of keeping us healthy. <clears throat> and so every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away with that knife. But also with that knife, he prunes so that it can bear fruit. You can't be plugged into Jesus without getting pruned. Now, some of you are you spend you're expert gardening people. And you know about gardening, and so why do we prune stuff? Somebody tell me why do we prune stuff? Well, it grows better, encourages new fruit. That's exactly right. If you if you prune, I've now become not an expert on growing wine, I mean, growing grapes, but I read about it a little bit. Um, you, if you're growing table grapes, you prune the, the vine one way and you, so that it can pr- has lots and lots and lots of, of bunches of grapes. And for table grape, grape vines, uh, you may get 30 pounds of grapes off of a standard bush. Um, if you're pruning it for grapes to be used in wine, you prune it a different way because you don't want more than eight pounds. Uh, when you prune it, it, makes, it intensifies the flavor inside the grapes, makes, makes a, a higher sugar content, makes them richer, in, uh, because, and the more sugar that you put in the, the grapes, the more alcohol comes out the other end. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so there's all sorts of stuff in this article that I read but it, um, if, you, if you don't prune them they just grow wild and the fruit gets smaller and less sweet and it starts the vines will start going on the ground and they get moldy and they start to rot and so uh, and you prune a, a branch a certain way if it's going to be a sustaining branch, just a branch that's going to hold more weight, or you prune it a different way if it's going to b- produce grapes. Uh, it's too complicated for me. You can just go to H-E-B. Um, <laughs> or Walgreens. You know, um, so the point is that pruning is an essential part of life. And... It's also a part of life, a part of our spiritual life that nobody signs up for. Because um, sometimes when God comes in, he starts cutting away stuff that we want to keep. 
and we think it's still something valuable, and God says, no, it's not, this isn't really producing fruit anymore. I'm, 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 this, this, and this part of you're holding on to, it's dead. It's not producing any fruit on it anymore, and it's, getting, it's starting to dry up and get brittle, and I just, this just needs to go. Um, trust me, it's going to be better. Painful now, big old knife. Um, it's going to be better later. So that's, if you are, if you belong to Jesus, if you are plugged into Jesus, in the, in, like in the words of, of Martha Stewart, Stewart, pruning is, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Don't worry about this. Pruning is a good thing. Um, but it's never a fun thing. It's never something that we sign up for. It's never something we ask for. And, what's worse, it's never something we expect. How many of you expect to be pruned in your life? No. You know, boy, I'm really looking forward to that next... Some other time. Boy, I'm really looking forward to that pruning. Mm-mm, I know it's going to be great. Uh, boy, and how many of you have ever had it? How many of you... Boy, listen to this. Come on. Uh, how many of us, when we're like in our prayer circles, and we're just pouring out our hearts, and we're saying, I'm going through this thing right now. Just, you know, just really pray for me. I just need it to stop. I need to get through it. I need to conquer this thing. I need, uh, and we're just, how, um, I'm just not sure I can stand this anymore. And uh, um, Please just pray that God would deliver me from this. When what we should really be saying is, God's really doing some pruning in my life right now. And just pray for me that, um, that I can surrender to it so that God can get his work done in me. Because that's nearly always what's going on. God uses all sorts of stuff and turns it into opportunities for pruning. But instead of saying, I'm kind of excited. This is, I'm going through something that's really hard. Please pray for me, but I, I think I'm probably going through some pruning. And then everybody go, yay, we're so excited for you. It's go, you're going to be so awesome when you come through this. We'll just pray for you. We'll be right here for you. Um, we never look at, at difficult times, as sh- times of shaking, as, as pruning that's going to help us produce more fruit in Jesus. How much stuff in our own life, honestly, how much stuff in our own life needs to be pruned away because we keep getting in our own way when, when we're trying to serve the Lord? And if we could just get... But we don't have the courage or the wisdom to prune ourselves. Some of us don't have the courage or wisdom to shave ourselves. But it's... Um, the, but the outcome is always for His glory and for our growth. But we never, we never look at it that way. We always get mad. We always get grumpy. We always just want to blame somebody. We always want to make it stop. Instead of saying, okay, Jesus, here I am. Uh, in the soil, Lord, I surrender. I know you can use this to break new ground in my life. Is that a strange new concept for most of us? We want sympathy. 
We want to tell people all, all the sad stories about our life and what we've gone through. And it's not that we don't need love and support when we're going through pruning. But there's a purpose in most of the stuff that we go through. And to the degree that we can surrender to it, welcome it, and saying, Lord, I surrender. I only want what you want me to be. So I try. I love that line in that song. Uh, when I, so I yield to you and to your careful hand. That big knife, you got to be careful with it. Lord, I, I yield to you and to your careful hand. I know what you're doing. And that, lot, that powerful line, when I trust you, I don't need to understand. If I'm trusting you, I don't need to understand. Okay, pruning, super important. Can we just agree on that? And a lot of times we go through things that are making us uh, grumpy, but it's really pruning. Instead of resisting it, we just need to be say, God, whatever. If this is pruning, I surrender to it. I trust you. I don't need to understand it. Lord, I'm just trusting you. And I know that you know what you're doing. You're careful. I know you're being careful with me, so I trust you. Next principle of divine viticulture. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Because the new wine is going to burst the skins, and it's going to spill out, and the skins will be ruined. Uh, So, obviously, if you're putting old wine, if you're putting new wine into old wineskins, that means the old wineskins were empty, right? And so... uh, but it's not that, oh, I put the new wine in the old wineskins and, and the wineskin broke and now I'm really sad. That's not the real problem. What's the real problem? All, well, the real problem is that when you put the new wine into the old wineskins and the wineskin splits, no more wine. The, this new thing that God's trying to do, this new, you know, those wineskins, some of them were pretty big. I, you know, I showed you a picture a few months ago for some other context, but some of those wineskins are like, they all like gallons. It's not just like a little canteen you take on a camping trip or like a little uh, hip flask made out of a wineskin. It's, it's, just, it's kind of big and full of enough line, wine to, to last a week or more. You pour all that new wine in there um, and it's something that's important to you and to your family. If you put it in an old wineskin and then it, starts to con- it continues the fermenting process and it rips the wineskin apart, then all the new stuff that you worked so hard for it's just gone. Um, I, would, I would take them to a farmer's market and sell them as a craft thing. Just, I, I would bedazzle them a little bit. And, I, I, we don't know. I just don't know. The skins will be ruined and the wine will be gone. But new wine has to be put into fresh wine skins. So that, that's right there. Let's stop. That's a principle. When God's doing something new in your life, it's going to require a new paradigm, some new strategies. It's going to require breaking some new ground. God can't do the new thing he wants to do in your life if you keep holding on to the old stuff. If you keep holding on to some, your old assumptions, to your old patterns, to your old habits, um, to your old feelings, to your old issues, God can't do new stuff if you want 
if you aren't willing to embrace new attitudes, new choices, new strategies. Uh, but, so that's, that's principle number one. New wine must be put into new fresh wineskins. But here's the problem. 30, verse 39. No one still drinking the old wine wants, wants the new stuff. Oh, all the old wine's fine. I mean, I know. Oh, this new stuff, the, the new thing that's going on in, in the kingdom of God right now, that's for all the young people. Let the young people do that stuff. I'm just going to sit here and, and do what feels comfortable to me. And uh, I, I like my life the way it is. I don't want it to be re, rearranged. Uh, I don't want to learn any new things. I'm just waiting here for Jesus to come and take me out of all this stuff. Because uh, I don't want to be pruned. I don't want to have anything broken. I just, want, I just want my life the way I want my life. Just, just let me keep that old wine. Which, even though it's kind of almost turned into vinegar. Because once you open the wine skin, I mean, it's going to eventually turn into vinegar. But I don't care. Um, I just, let, me just keep, let me just keep the old stuff. I'm comfortable. Jesus wants to do a new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. That's a, that's a powerful prophetic promise. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. We go to prophetic conferences. So we hear, we hear somebody start a prophetic message with, Behold, thus saith the Lord. Behold, I am doing a new thing today. And everybody goes, Yay! Cool prophecy. Oh, wait. In, in me? No. No. Um, this, <laughs> that's a little too... That's a little personal, isn't it? Um, I, want to, I, want to, I want you to do a new thing in Vladimir Putin. Uh, I want you to do a new thing in the stock market because I don't like the new, new thing that's happening with the stock market. I want to go back to the old thing and the old new thing. And uh, I want... Uh, behold, God is doing a new thing in you and it involves pruning and breaking new ground. It involves new wine. Where there is new wine, there is new power. Um, the kingdom is here. There. But the only way to get there is to be willing to lay down, to let go of those old flames, take the new, accept the new fire. That God wants to give you. Now, I'm not talking about throwing away everything. I'm not talking about trashing everything. I'm not talking about just pulling up a uh, bulldozer in front of your life and just <laughs> scrape it all down the bottom, unless it's what Jesus wants to do. Because the, the vine dresser doesn't come in and just chop down the whole plant, right? He just goes in there and selectively says, I don't need this anymore, and I'm going to chop about... I'm going to take about three inches off the back here. Um, I'm going to just do this. And I'm going to reshape the plant. I'm, this is going to be some new fruit over here. Uh, this is going to be stronger over here. Um, God's just in the process of remodeling you. He's doing a new thing. The old is no longer good enough in some cases. 
So we talked about this last week. Last part of that passage in, in, in uh, Ecclesiastes said, God has made everything. The New American Standard says appropriate in its time, but I just, the King James is still better. God has made everything beautiful in its time. There is a time for change. There's a time for doing the right thing in the right way. There's a time for God's timing. When God, you're asking God, you're begging God, and God is saying, wait, it's not time. Just be patient. It's not time. Just, just hold on. It's not time. Now, boom, suddenly it's time. And, and you're thinking, wait, um, I'm not ready for this. I didn't, know, I didn't know it was time for this. God said, I'm going to make something beautiful in your life. Uh, I know that you trust me. I know that you love me. I've put eternity in your heart. But you're still not going to figure out. I love this. So that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. God is saying, don't try to figure this out because I know what I'm doing and you don't. So just trust me. It's time for the change. The right time, the right place, the, uh, the right plan. It's going to be beautiful. And the Lord is saying to your heart. This is where we stopped last week. Lord. The Lord is saying to you right now, my child, it's time to. And and last week and all week, I'm believing the Holy Spirit has been dropping something into your heart. My child, it's time to. My child, it's time to. What? Maybe it's pruning. Maybe it's just embracing a new thing, a new insight, a new paradigm, a new calling. It doesn't necessarily have to be painful, but change is always painful. Can I tell you something? And we don't remember this, and we don't, we don't understand this as well as we do. Any time, any kind of change that comes into your life, whether it's good or bad, any kind of change, whether it feels good or whether it feels bad, any kind of change that, change that comes into your life creates, it creates a loss. Because something that was, no, was normal and a part of your life is now gone. And it, it creates this sense of, well, what am I going to do now? I don't understand this. What's going to happen next? And that's a loss. And losses have to be grieved. You have to be able to say to God, I'm giving this to you. I'm accepting this even though I don't understand it. I'm accepting this even though I don't know exactly what's going to happen next. And honestly, that's the only way to, to manage the stress. Stress comes from what? Stress comes from trying to control or figure out or fix what's, what's been lost. Uh, the first step to healthy grieving is to finally say okay this is the new thing this is the new thing in my life God give me the grace to accept it to surrender to it to learn from it to flow in it while you continue your work in me so um, on the um Changes are not instantaneous. Changes take a process. And it takes a lot of trust in Jesus. You can't manage change all by yourself. My child, it is time to... God, God has put you... And I gave you that homework. If you didn't... 
If you didn't get one of these homework sheets last week, just tell me afterwards and I can make a copy of this for you. So, okay, I told you that today we would, there would be a next step. And it, <laughs> how did that get there? I Let the pruning begin. So, so let's first of all, and I'm not going to have you stand up and give testimonies unless you want have something that's just so amazing that you, uh, uh, it's, you're already excited about it, and you want to say, oh, oh, pick me, pick me. I want to tell you something that I think God's told me. I'm, I'm thrilled if you want to do that. Uh, but the, the important thing is that uh, I, asked you last night, I asked you last week to listen and say, God, what time is it in my life? What is, what is it time for in my life? What do you want to do next in my life? What do, oh, however it made sense to you. Uh, but let me explain a little bit about it. Uh, this isn't... Whatever, I hope what you heard from God isn't like, oh, I guess it's time to clean out that closet. Uh, that, you know, that front hall closet I've been saying for a couple of months now, I needed to rearrange that closet. I guess, that's, I guess I'll just break down and do that. Uh, now, we all have some very cluttered spiritual closets. But I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, getting the car tuned up. Uh, I'm not talking about... Uh, um, maintenance, normal life maintenance things like in your kitchen or at your house or things you've just been putting off because um, you didn't have the time. I'm talking about heart keeping. Like, I know God is asking me to face this, whatever stronghold it is that you've been complaining about and but don't know what to do about in your life. Uh, and I don't know what that, I mean, it's something that's impacting you emotionally and spiritually, not just annoying you because uh, your vacuum cleaner doesn't work right. Uh, so, have you heard from God about heart keeping? I know God is asking me to face this stronghold in my life and let it go. Or God has called me to take a, a new step of faith in an area where I've just been putting it off and making excuses about it, but I, I know God is calling me to step in this direction, and it just it just seems so overwhelming, and I just didn't want to do it. I, you know, I'm not trying to put words in your brain. I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth. You, you know what God told you. Okay. So, with that, having heard from God, we need to, to make sure that that's happened. And if you haven't felt like you've heard anything from God, just talk to me after church. Um, and we can, I, I think the biggest issue is that you may have, most of us have heard too many things, because God said, oh goody, you're finally listening to me, well let's sit down and have a talk here, uh, so you may have to prioritize some things, because there, God may be wanting to do more than one thing in your life, well, what's the most important, that, uh, that may be part of it, okay, but here's the next step, and this is more important than you think, here's what happens too often when we go to church, We go to church, we hear something from God, something ministers to my heart, and I think, hmm, I need to think about that some more sometime. Then we walk out to church, um, we go to Whataburger, we go home, we 
watch a movie, watch something on Netflix. We watch the Cowboys until they played last night. You don't have to watch the Cowboys now for another year. But by the time we go to bed that night, how much do you remember about what God spoke to you this morning in church? Just still important, but you, um, you filled your brain with other stuff. So, here's... After you've taken care of the first three dots, dot number four, tell at least one other person what you think you've heard from God about what it is time to change. And ask them to pray for you that you would have the strength and the wisdom and the faith you need to walk out this new season in your life. Back when I was writing training for people, corporate trade for people and we've had them eight hours learning new skills learning new skills learning new skills and we wrap up the end of the session i would have the instructors say okay name the two most important things that you've learned in the training this today and they would they would throw them out and i'd have the instructor write it on the board and they say okay what is the most important thing that you are going to do with what you've learned when you get back to the office tomorrow. And everybody had to stand up and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm making a commitment in front of you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Uh, and so there was accountability. You, it was not, you couldn't really just go off and completely forget everything you learned because in, in, in front of 12 other people from your company, you said, here's what I'm going to do differently, the first step I'm going to take. So I'm not going to make you stand up in front of everybody. Some of the stuff that you've been that God's been speaking to you about this week I believe may be things that you're not ready for everybody to even know about God knows about it you know about it you need help with it pick one person that you can trust and say here's what I think God's been talking to me about would you please pray for me we have people in this congregation who are fantastic intercessors one thing that we've been learning over the last couple of years is, is how to hear from God and how to minister to each other. And God is going to be faithful. Please don't all call Peggy. Um, so Peggy, Peggy would do the best she could. Call Carlene if you want to, if you just have to. Uh, God will show you who to talk to. But find somebody and say, here's what I, here's what I think I've heard from God. Please pray for me. And then once you, once you have shared it with that other person, then that person had permission to say, okay, I promise you I'm going to pray for you about this every week. And at least once a week we'll just touch base and say, how's that going? You don't have to come up with a plan. There's no plan here yet for what God wants you to do differently. It's first you have to say yes to the plan. And I mean, you have to say yes to the change. This is the way we say yes to the change. This is what I heard from God. Please pray for me as God continues to work in my life. Then we'll see what God does with that. Are we making sense so far? This isn't going to, change doesn't happen overnight. This isn't going to be fixed overnight. But this is the way we start. And here's a really cool Bible verse, just so you think I'm, don't think I'm just making stuff up. Therefore, confess, confess your sins to one another and pray for one, one another so that you may be healed. This comes from a bigger place in James chapter 5 where it just talks about reaching out and connecting with each other and interceding with each other and praying for each other. Uh, and some of the stuff that God's talking about isn't necessarily related to sins. 
Okay, I'm not saying that, oh, the Lord has said, okay, it's finally time for you to quit doing this sin in your life. Um, right, but lest we forget, the Greek word for sin just means you miss the target that God wants you to aim at. It doesn't mean you're evil necessarily. It just means that I'm not in my life where I know God wants me to be. Please pray for me. I am missing the mark. God says, aim here. I just consistently aim over here if I'm aiming at all. So confess just means to tell the truth about something. Confess your sins to one another and then pray for one another because that's a road to healing. That's a road to change. That's a road to deliverance. The churches are filled with some of the biggest fakers in the world. We pretend all the time that things are better than they are. We pretend all the time that um, all of our prayers are being answered and all of our needs are being met. And we are, me and Jesus, we're just like this. And I wish your life could be as good as me. You just need to live as good as me. Then your, your life would be as good as mine. And we smile and we wave our arms. Uh, and then we go home and we put on our pajamas and we sit in front of the TV and we just go, click. Click, click, 365 channels, nothing is on. Click, click, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you can be healed. The church is not a retirement home for saints, it's a hospital for sinners where we pray for each other and encourage each other and support each other as God prunes us so that the new wine can come out. Um, Let me make another little point here. God does the pruning. I'm looking at Gene Hall right now. Boy, boy, he needs to be pruned. I'm going to just come over here. I'm going to tell him all the ways that he needs to be pruned. Um, and tell him to get busy with that pruning. Welcome to the church for the last 2,000 years. We are really experts on what God needs to do to prune other people. Um, God does the pruning. You just say, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. I can say to Gene Hall, if Gene comes to me and says, pray for me, brother, here's what I've heard from God. I'll pray for Gene. As Jesus does the pruning, I'll, I'll support him. I'll, uh, I'll love him. Jesus does the pruning. It's not my job. It's not my job to even think that, uh, that somebody needs to be pruned. I need to be thinking about where God wants to prune in my life. The only way to get healed, the only way to stay healthy, is to embrace this process that most of the time we think came from the devil. But it's God leading us through a normal, powerful process so that new wine can come, new fire can come, new breakthroughs can come. You don't have to like it. You just have to surrender to it.
And then when you get through the other side, then you can see that God was right. He's still good. He's still faithful. He knows what he's doing. So I'm surrendering to, and to you and to your careful hand. Lord, I trust you. I don't even... I'm not asking you to help me understand. I'm just trusting you. Father, in the name of Jesus. I don't know if there is ever a time in our life where there's not a need for change, Lord, but I thank you for the grace that you are giving us to speak the truth. To receive the truth and to speak the truth to you and to surrender to it. Lord, we apologize to all the times when we have resisted your work in our lives and pointed fingers at other people or pointed fingers at the devil when it was all along just you trying to bring healing and help and deliverance and restoration in our lives. Now I'm going to ask you one thing. Um, If you don't know yet who you are going to go to to say, here is what the Lord has, I think the Lord's speaking to me about a change he's ready to make in my life. If you haven't, if, if you don't have a name, ask God right now, Lord, show me who you want me to go and talk to. And you don't, you don't have to do it immediately right here, though that would be great. But between now and next week, you have to have a name and you have to have talked to them. That's the rest of your assignment. Right now, if you don't know for sure, just ask Jesus to show you. Thank you, Lord. We surrender to whatever it is you are doing because all we want is to be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.